Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Here we go. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here on Sports Map Radio as I'm going to take you through the next hour right up until Game 6 of the NBA Finals. That's right. We're going to spend a good chunk of the hour on Game 6. Golden State up 3-2, shipping up to Boston to try to end the NBA Finals tonight. We're going to dive into the hottest team in baseball. Happens to be the defending champs, the Atlanta Braves, 14 straight wins they have not lost yet in the month of June. And of course, to cap it all off, joining us will be the prop queen. Yahoo Sports' own Ariel Epstein will be joining the show to talk NBA Finals angles, some of her favorite baseball bets of the season. But how about that game one of the Stanley Cup Finals a night ago? Look, I know that I was the ultimate jinx for the New York Rangers. Spoke about it last week on the show. Started rooting for the Rangers after game three. What did they do? They dropped all three games in my career as a Rangers fan. We've got the Abs and the Lightning, and Game 1 could not have lived up to the billing any more than it did. First time since 2009 that both preseason betting favorites are squaring off in the Cup. Tampa Bay going for a three-peat. Colorado hosting their first Stanley Cup Finals game in over 7,000 days. And the Abs, if you look at the way they started that game... You would think that it had been 7,000 days in the making. Two quick goals to start, a 3-1 lead after the first, and then they just went ice cold the rest of the way. Tampa got back into it. Palat started a two-goal in 48-second stretch. And then in the third period, both teams looked, I mean, I don't know what it was. If both teams were out of gas. I mean, you had Colorado had nine days of rest going into this one. Both teams extremely well-rested. Nothing working in the third period, but the Avs did not waste time in OT Andre Barakovsky with the game winner less than two minutes into overtime. And that's where the Avalanche stand up 1-0 in this year's Stanley Cup Finals. Look, I know it's easy to jump on the bandwagon of the team up 1-0 in a series. Teams to win a game one in the Stanley Cup in overtime, 14-4 historically. But I was on the abs from the get here. It's looking like their series. Not, however, without a fight from Tampa Bay, of course. NBA Finals preview. When we get back, stick with me, Joe Serralo. You're listening to Serralo Sports Talk as part of the Believe Hour right here on Sports Map Radio. All right, we're back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, taking you through this Believe Hour right here, right now on Sports Map Radio as we gear up for Game 6 of the NBA Finals. That game less than two hours away from tip-off. We'll be all over that for the hour. Plus, as promised, later on in the show, Ariel Epstein from Yahoo Sports, the prop queen, will be joining us. She'll have her best bets for Game 6. We'll also talk a little baseball betting as well when she joins the show. But before we dive into this Game 6 of the Finals, just a reminder... You know, we talk about Ariel Epstein coming on to talk betting. If you want my picks, my bets, my behind-the-scenes takes, make sure you go follow me on socials. That's at Joe Serralo on Instagram, where I post two daily best bets, as well as at the Joe Serralo on Twitter and on TikTok. Make sure you go follow me there. 
Let's dive in. Game six. And the question that everyone wants to know, are we going to see game six Clay? I mean, Clay Thompson in game sixes throughout his career, not just talking NBA Finals game sixes. He actually has not played in all that many game sixes in the NBA Finals, but just postseason game sixes in his career. Clay Thompson has always showed up and showed out. Let's look at what he's done in his last seven game sixes. Now, mind you, the Warriors prior to this series, they only played in one game six this postseason, right? They took care of the Nuggets in five, then went six against Memphis, and then, of course, took care of the Dallas Mavs, a gentleman sweep just like Denver. You win the first three, let them win game four at home, and then you return home and win the fifth game. So Clay Thompson, in that game six against Memphis, dropped a 30-piece. Now, look, this hasn't been his best year. This hasn't been his best postseason. You know, I'm not even sure if I'm convinced that Clay is at 100% health right now. Obviously, missed a good chunk of the season, recovering from an injury. So, you know, Clay, I, I don't know if you can chalk up this season, you know, as a fully healthy Clay Thompson season. But game six against Memphis, he was there. Let's see what he does game six tonight in just a couple hours. His last seven game sixes in his career. He has gone for 30 or more four times. And in game sixes, Clay Thompson's three-point shooting is just absolutely off the charts. So you look at those last seven game sixes, he's averaged over 28 points per game. But from beyond the arc, 43 of 79. That is a 55% clip shooting from deep in game sixes in his last seven of those. I mean, if Clay does that tonight, it's it's sayonara Celtics, right? Series over, season over, finals over, Golden State, another ring for this ridiculous dynasty that Steph, Clay, and Dre have all put together under Steve Kerr. I mean, if Clay Thompson shoots over 50% from three, and if he tosses up, you know, at least 10, there's just no shot that the Boston Celtics win because that's not, you know, even including what Steph might do coming off an all-time poor postseason performance. Steph Curry, game five, I don't know what he was on. It was the first game regular season or postseason in 233 consecutive games that Steph didn't hit at least one three. First time in 233 games, Steph Curry didn't make a three. He was 0 for 9 in game five from beyond the arc. Now, you may look at that and say, all right, well, you know, the Celtics were able to stop Steph. Now they're going home. That should, you know, that should lead to a win. Or, or you can look at that and say two things. And these are the two things that I'm going to say when I look at what Steph did in game five. First off, my goodness, Boston, you held Steph Curry to 15 points, held him to 0 of 9 from deep, and you still lost by 10. That's not good. And then the other angle that I'm going to take when I look at that is Steph Curry just went 0 for 9 from 3. It was the first time in 233 consecutive games he did not hit a three-pointer. He's going to pop off in game six. Either way that you look at that, right? Either angle that you see it from, it's bad for the Boston Celtics. It's, you know, you just limited Steph Curry. Great job. Probably the best defensive performance against him this season, maybe in multiple seasons, and you still lost. Or, Wow, you got lucky limiting Steph in that one. There's no way he's going to shoot that poorly back-to-back game. So if you couldn't win then, you can't win next game. I I mean, 
the Celtics are in legitimate trouble. Now, the one saving grace for Boston is that this is not their first time facing elimination this postseason. The Golden State Warriors have not faced an elimination game this entire postseason. They haven't even gone to seven. Well, that's exactly the point. They haven't gone to seven. The Celtics have faced elimination three times already. Twice against the Milwaukee Bucks and the best basketball player on the planet, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then once last series in that game seven in South Beach. So they've had one elimination game at home, two on the road. They've actually performed a lot better on the road this postseason than they have at home. But game six backs up against the wall at home. You know, we talk about Clay having a big game six. We talk about Steph bound to have a big game six after being essentially absent in game five. You know who needs to have a huge, monumental game six is Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has been, in my eyes, incredibly disappointing this series. And look, I know that ever since game one where, you know, he only put up, what, 12 points, but got away with shooting three of 17 from the floor because the Celtics had that torrid fourth quarter stretch where they went from being down 15 late in the third to ultimately winning by 12 on the backs of guys like Marcus Smart. He can be forgiven for that because they won the game. And, you know, you can look at the four game sense and say, well, he's averaged about 25, but has he averaged inefficient 25, right? I don't care what Jason Tatum's point per game total is, right? That doesn't mean a whole lot to me unless he's dropping 30, 35, 40 every night. It's the fact that Tatum is shooting a pretty pathetic 37%, actually less than 37%, 36.7% from the floor this series. He's been locked down. The guy is making about one of every three shots. That is not superstar production. You know, people after the Celtics beat Milwaukee, after the Celtics beat Miami, people are talking, oh, is it time to talk Jason Tatum top five? And it's like, to me, Jason Tatum, you can make the argument he's top 10. You can also make the argument he's not quite top 10, right? And and I'm not trying to disparage Jason Tatum. He at only 24 years old. I mean, the guy is still a baby. He has already put together an incredible resume, three conference finals, now his first appearance in the NBA finals, but... Now he's in the NBA Finals, and the fact of the matter is, he's not doing a whole lot. He's shooting at a really poor clip, and if he doesn't wake up for this home game, this elimination game, regardless of the outcome, it's the final game at TD Garden this postseason, if he doesn't wake up for it, that's where his season's going to end. In about four or five hours, if Jason Tatum doesn't wake up, the Celtics season will be over. Marcus Smart and Robert Williams cannot keep carrying the Celtics this series. You know, Jalen Brown hasn't shot well either. He's been shooting about, what, 40, 41% this series. I mean, Jalen Brown's had games where in the first quarter, first half, he's absolutely electric. And in the second half, it's like the Celtics are playing four on five. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't seem to piece it together for a full 48. And without Marcus Smart, you know, and that's why I've talked about it at at nauseum, if the Celtics somehow win this, if if they come back here and they rattle off two in a row, Marcus Smart is your finals MVP because he is the guy who is shooting 45% from the floor, who is also their best player on defense. Marcus Smart right now is having the most complete series of any Boston Celtic on both sides of the floor. It, it just, it looks like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, I don't want to discount him, obviously different style of game. You know, he's the body banger down low doing the dirty work. 
it, it looks like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams almost want it more than Boston's dynamic duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I respect the hell out of Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. I respect the hell out of Williams. Nothing against those two. Celtics aren't going to win a championship on their backs. Eventually, you know, the Celtics may be fortunate to be only down 3-2 right now. Eventually, in these elimination games, it's going to come down. It's the NBA. It's going to come down to your best player. And if Jason Tatum doesn't step up, well, the Celtics won't see a game seven. The one thing that helps Boston out here, they are 3-0, as I mentioned, when facing elimination this postseason. And Jason Tatum, in elimination games this year, 32 points per game on 50% shooting. He's going to need one of those games tonight. When we come back, a little more on this. Plus, we'll dive into some baseball. Stick with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into Serralo Sports Talk right here as part of the Believe Hour on SportsMap Radio. Here we go. Back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here, right now on SportsMap Radio as we are just about an hour and a half away from tip-off, game six of the NBA Finals. Going to get into some baseball here shortly, too. Plus, of course, as promised in the latter third or so of the hour, the prop queen herself from Yahoo Sports, Ariel Epstein, going to be joining the show to talk about her terrific career, her recent rise to stardom. In addition to her great work on Yahoo Sports, you can catch her daily now on MLB Network from 5 to 6 Eastern. She's absolutely killing it. We'll talk best bets for game six of the NBA finals. And of course, her daily baseball bets, which I can't wait to pick her brain on as someone who gives out daily baseball bets himself. Very curious to to hear her logic, her research, what goes into her own process because everyone is a handicapper, really has their own unique process. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, comparing those processes of ours and, and picking her brain a bit because she is so incredible at what she does. You know, before we shift over, to baseball, there is one person who is as instrumental as anyone in this NBA Finals series, specifically in the last two Warriors wins that we didn't get to in the first segment, and that's Draymond Green. And you know, it's it's pretty interesting the ways that I've spoken about Draymond Green here in this one hour a week that we get together because you know in the Dallas series it was talk your talk, Draymond. Right, you're going out there, you're balling out. You know, hop on your podcast right after the game. Hop on the post-game set with, you know, Chuck Shaq and the boys on TNT, right? Like, do your talking, man. You're going out there. You're helping your team win games. You're playing at an elite level in your role. You know, he's not dropping 30 any night, but I mean, you know, he had what, four out of the five games against Dallas? He went for double digits. Add into that, you know, his incredible defense and bodying up Luka in the paint, keeping Luka on the perimeter, for most of that series, the rebounds, the, st- uh, the steals, the assists, right? Draymond went from having a terrific Western Conference Finals to having, you know, quite truthfully, a disastrous first three games of the NBA Finals. And deservedly so, after I praised the hell out of him on these airwaves during the Dallas series, I had to crush him last week because he's doing his talking, he's getting teed up, and He's not in any way, shape, or form, or at least he was not in the first three games, benefiting the Warriors. I mean, last week I spoke about it, you know, 35 minutes, and he had less than five points, less than five rebounds, less than five assists. Oh, and he fouled out, right? I mean, he was quite literally killing his own team. Well, the last two games, he must have heard the critics, and and, you know, he didn't mince words. He said he played like, you know what, 
right to a reporter in the game three post-game presser. He didn't mince words. He, he didn't try to dance around it or, or hide from it. He was accountable, and that's one of the things I absolutely love about Draymond. Well, he's woken up. Last two games, game four, only two points, nine boards, eight assists, four steals. I don't need Draymond to score 10, 12, 13, 14 points a game. I need him to grab almost 10 boards, dish almost 10 dimes, four steals. I, I mean, you know, Draymond could have, could have one or two steals and still have a great defensive game because he makes guys make that extra pass. He makes guys uncomfortable in the paint. And that's what he did game five, right? Didn't have the steals to show for it necessarily. He had one, but it's the alteration of not only shots, but the alteration of approach on drives, you know? If Tatum's going into the paint on Clay or on Jordan Poole, well, that's different than if he's going in on Draymond. He's not gonna, Draymond's not gonna back down to a guy like Tatum, not going to back down to a guy like Doncic. And so Draymond, when he did game five and then added a little more, oh, eight points, still with the seven boards, the six assists. Uh, I mean, these are the stat lines that you see from Draymond when Golden State is winning big basketball games, right? Again, doesn't have to be the scoring we saw against Dallas, going for double figures and four out of five there. That isn't typical Draymond. It's the eight points, eight boards, eight assists, that is Draymond Green. That's what the Warriors need out of Draymond Green. They have Stephen Clay to go for, you know, 50 to 60 combined, right? They've got, they're good. They're good. Those two guys can combine for 10 threes, 50, 60 points. Golden State's okay on offense. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, have we even spoken about the fact that Andrew Wiggins is quietly making a case for finals MVP? That Andrew Wiggins is finally playing like the first overall pick he was. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, you know, if you look at his career, he's got sneaky good stats. You know, this is a guy who, of course, has probably up until this season underperformed for, you know, top pick standards. But this is a guy who, if he adds a ring to his resume and continues playing like this for a few years to come, all of a sudden, Andrew Wiggins is quietly making a Hall of Fame case. And I know he's young. He's got a lot of time to go. He's not a bust. You know, he's no Anthony Bennett, right? And Andrew Wiggins has been consistent. He's showed up for Golden State on both sides of the floor, both ends of the court this postseason. He's played really, really fun, good basketball. So you got to give Andrew Wiggins credit where it's due. But look, if Golden State's going to end it in Boston, everything's got to go right. Because like I said, Jason Tatum, He's shown up for the Celtics in his three elimination games, in their three elimination games this postseason. Your Golden State, you're going to need Clay to be game six Clay. You're going to need Steph to be game one, two, three, and four Steph. Anything but game five Steph. You know, don't forget, games one through four, this guy was shooting 50% from three. He was 25 of 51. So just under 50% from three. Was averaging six threes on 13 attempts per game. You know, he was absolutely killing it. Game one, he carried the Warriors for the first three quarters, just couldn't do it anymore in the fourth. Steph's had a phenomenal series. So I think game six is probably going to look more like games one through four than game five. And with him, Clay, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, I mean, it all comes down to can Draymond do the dirty work? Can he play defense? Can he not hurt his own team? Essentially, if Draymond just doesn't hurt his own team, he's helping them. Because he's doing the stuff that no other, no other players, no other stars want to do. I don't know. It's going to be tough for Boston. They're the ones, two straight losses, they're the ones whose backs are up against the wall as this series heads back 
to the Northeast tonight, under 90 minutes away from tip-off. But I promise some baseball talk. Let's talk about the hottest team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, look, I'm a Mets fan. You all know this. I try to talk about my Mets every week. I mean, they've given us reason on national airwaves to talk about them every week. Best record in the National League, second best record in baseball. It's not like it's without merit. But don't look now, Mets. Here come the Atlanta Braves. This is a team that a couple weeks ago was 10 and a half games out of first. Now they are four games back. Four games back. The Mets have gone six and six in their last 12. The Braves have won 14 in a row. They are 14 and 0 in the month of June. And the way that they're winning games is really just, I mean, it's something to admire. In this 14-game winning streak, the Atlanta Braves have outscored their opponents 101-41. to They've outscored their opponents by 60 runs in 14 games. That's an average of winning about 7-3 to every night. I mean, they're not squeaking by teams. They're not getting lucky. Now, the one area, and you know, look, in baseball, in any sport, You got to beat the bad teams, right? So I never really try to take away from a team that's winning by saying, oh, well, look at their schedule. I mean, yeah, you know, if you compare the Mets and the Yankees, the Mets have more wins against teams above 500 this season than the Yankees have games played against teams above 500. But in baseball, especially, the schedule has a way of balancing itself out, you know, and the Atlanta Braves are taking care of business. You know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's beating the bad teams. You know, the LA Dodgers played six games against the Pittsburgh Pirates already this year, went one and five against Pittsburgh, right? Well, the Braves swept them amidst this 14-game winning streak. You know, I know that they've played the Rockies, the Pirates, the Oakland A's, the Nationals, right? All teams either, you know, at the bottom or near the bottom of their respective divisions. But at the end of the day, you know, in a 14-game stretch, a lot of teams would look at a 10-4 and record against those teams and say, hey, that's really good baseball. And it is. But the Braves haven't lost a single game. So I don't care who they're playing, how bad their opponents are. They're doing what great teams do, and they're beating up on the bottom feeders and give the defending champs credit because they are putting pressure on my first-place Mets and putting the rest of the National League and the rest of the MLB on notice that last year was not a fluke. Last year was not a flash in the pan. They're hitting, they're pitching. I mean, you have, look, Max Fried, of course, is the ace in that rotation. He's not even leading an ERA, right? Kyle Wright's having a career year. How about Spencer Strider? He started the year as a reliever. He's since made, what, four or five starts? Just, just last night, just yesterday against Washington, 11 Ks in that outing. I mean, they're getting it from unlikely sources. The next man is constantly stepping up. And you look at that lineup, that power-packed lineup. They just lost Ozzy Albies probably for the remainder of the season, which is absolutely gut-crushing for this Atlanta team. I mean, Albies and Acuna are the heart and soul of this Braves lineup, especially with Freddie Freeman leaving in the offseason. But Albies, no disrespect, wasn't having the best year. I mean, Dansby Swanson, you look at the other side of that middle infield, the shortstop down in Atlanta, he had an awful April. And since then, over the past six and a half weeks, Swanson's gone on to hit 331 with eight homers and 30 RBI. You know, right now, Trey Turner is probably head and shoulders above the other National League shortstops to start in the All-Star game. Well, Dansby Swanson's coming on and he's giving Francisco Lindor some legitimate competition to be the backup shortstop, unless both of them make it, 
in next month's Midsummer Classic. The Atlanta Braves are hot. Austin Riley's got six homers in the two-week winning streak that they're on. I mean, you know, look, you look at the Mets and they're playing fine baseball against great quality competition. The Dodgers just had a nice little two-game sweep over the Angels. How about back-to-back no-hitters being taken into the ninth inning? Miles Michaelis two nights ago, Tyler Anderson last night. Neither of them got it done. But National League Baseball, you know, the American League, a lot of mediocrity in there. National League Baseball is looking good this season, and I couldn't love it anymore. When we come back, we're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some betting. Ariel Epstein, the prop queen from Yahoo Sports, is all set to join me. Don't go anywhere. You're locked into Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, as part of the Believe Hour right here on Sports Map Radio. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk, and joining the show up next, it is the prop queen herself, Yahoo Sports' Ariel Epstein. Ariel, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And look, we've got so much to get to. Obviously, tonight, game six of the NBA Finals, we're going to talk about your baseball prop bets that have been really successful this season. But first, I want to start with a great feature on Input that was written about you the other day. Matt Villano wrote up this piece. I mean... You're 27 years old right now, killing it at Yahoo Sports. People can tune in to find you on NBA TV, MLB Network Daily. But having this piece written about you, where does that rank up among, you know, all of your career accomplishments thus far? It's really high up there on the list. When Matt Milano reached out to me a few months ago asking if he could do a feature piece on my life, I said, uh, really? Me? <laughs> what? He said, yeah, I think your story could be really interesting. Then we got to talking. We spoke for about two hours on Zoom, went through everything. He just stood there, jaw dropped. You never think that your own story is unique or cool because you just get so lost in the grind of it all. When I reflected back, listened to what Matt said back, in addition to reading that article, Then all the feedback I got from everybody, which made it even more special, I didn't think that so many people would reach out to me saying not only how cool it was, just how excited they were and how inspired they were by the journey that I took to get to where I am. That's all I ever really want to do is help people to accomplish their dreams because I had so many people in front of me who helped me accomplish mine. And, you know, when when you look at where you are now, especially your daily spots on MLB Network, which we'll get to in a little more depth in a little bit, but one of my favorite parts of that feature was what Matt Viscurgeon had to say about you. I mean, here's a guy who's twice your age that now you're working with every day, and he called you this little blonde powerhouse. I mean, people our age, we're about the same age. We grew up idolizing Matt, watching him, you know, hours upon hours. So for him to have that to say about you, how did that feel? Unbelievable. It's crazy because you're right. Matt Viscursion is somebody that I've looked up to in the business for a long time. I was actually asked to be on MLB Network a year ago because of conflict of sports books. It didn't work out last season. However, this season, I ended up getting it written in my new contract with Yahoo that I was able to do whatever at MLB Network. That said, I end up going, getting asked to go to lunch. This lunch was between one of the executive, two executives at MLB Network and Matt. I was told, and I never spoke to Matt prior to that. I was just told that this was all about seeing if Matt and I get along in real life. We go to this restaurant called Borelli's in Secaucus, New Jersey. We sit down, start talking. I find out Matt is the reason that I'm there. I find out that the reason I got a call a year prior to that 
was because Matt Biscursion decided to turn on my Sirius XM show, which is channel 206 at the time. Who even thinks, I'm never thinking, I'm doing this from my home, my parents' bed, like my childhood room in my parents' house. I set up a home studio in COVID. I'm recording it from nine to 12 every day, Sirius XM channel 206, thinking I'm just gonna goop around. I'm gonna handicap my butt off. I'm just not assuming anybody's listening except for like the three people on Twitter that were reaching out to me. <laughs> Apparently Matt turned on the channel coming back from work, thought that I really knew my stuff, felt like my research was really unique. He knew I wasn't stealing it from anywhere because he didn't hear someone research the way I did before. And this was all discussed at this lunch. I, that to me was the craziest or one of the craziest moments of my career, sitting across the table from Matt Beskirjian and hearing from all the executives, he went into MLB Network and said, we need to hire this girl. Unreal. Well, I mean, you know, you're pretty legit when one of the best in the industry is going to bat for you and not just once, but as consistently as Matt has over the past year plus. You mentioned your research and I kind of want to dive into that process because one of my several jobs out here in LA is that I give out daily MLB props for a startup company down in San Diego. So my specialty is pitcher props. You give out your daily K prop. So I want to know, what do you specifically look into when you're doing your research? What I specifically look into for my MLB pitcher props research is for the lineups that they're facing. Mm -hmm. That's the common mistake a lot of people make is that they look at just the pitcher themselves. Early in the year, I went into MLB. I said, I'm going to take an under on Nestor Cortez, Yankees starter strikeout prop. This was right after he went up against the Orioles and had 11 or 12 strikeouts in that game. People were telling me, this number is not high enough. I'm betting the over. I'm betting the over. I'm pretty sure Cortez had the Royals that game. The Royals have one of the lowest K rates in baseball, especially against lefty pitchers. I said, no, go under on Cortez strikeouts. They were flabbergasted. I said, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing because every lineup's different. The Orioles have one of the top K rates in the league, whereas the Royals have one of the lowest. It's a different game. It's a different matchup. That's what is most important is looking at making sure that both are correlated together, whether it's for an over or an under, not just looking at one side of the field. Yeah, I love it. You're spot on. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me when I look at K rates and, you know, a majority of the pitcher props that I give out are K props also. And it's got to do with, you know, the opposing lineup and also that pitcher's history against those hitters. I, I mean, you know, sometimes a guy like Justin Verlander will, for whatever reason, struggle against the hitter like Jan Gomes. And there's no explanation behind it, but you definitely want to look into it. Hey, I want to know your thoughts on taking a starting pitcher to win, because I've noticed that, you know, if you're really confident about that matchup, that the odds are just so much better than taking the team money line. If you take the starter to get the win, for example, earlier this week, Sox were minus 200 against Oakland, but Nick Pavetta to get the win. He's been one of the hottest pitchers in baseball the past six weeks. That was plus 115. So do you ever play around there? I haven't really looked into that market, to be honest. If I did, I see where you find that value. The question is, how deep's the pitcher going? Is the bullpen going to give up enough runs that now you're going to get that win taken away or the decision taken away from the pitcher? Those would be the thing. That's why you're seeing those odds different because bullpens play such a factor. If I were to go play a pitcher's wins, that team better be top 10 in bullpen ERA. I have to trust their bullpen. Don't give me a pitcher like 
Mitch Keller or Brad Keller. Don't give me any of the Kellers because their <laughs> bullpens are terrible. I want to make sure that I'm relying on a bullpen that's solid, that won't give up my decision in addition to not blowing any kind of lead. I, I like the value play there. It's just there's a reason that there's value on it. It's yeah. because there's a lot more variance to what you're betting as opposed to just the wins or losses. Yeah, well, let me pick your brain now on a pick you gave out earlier this week. Probably my favorite pick of the year because I'm a homer. I'm a huge Mets fan, but Chris Bassett, over five and a half strikeouts. I was getting nervous for you after the seven. I gave up. <laughs> I gave up. I completely gave up on it. I don't know if you saw, I tweeted at you. I was really hoping that they'd let him go out there for the eighth. And uh, he went out there, got a couple strikeouts in that inning. I mean, what went into, especially with a guy like Bassett, who frankly over the past month looked terrible. What went into you giving out that over and being so confident about him bouncing back the way he did? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to have to go dive back into my notes because I like to make sure I get all of my numbers accurate and I'm already on to today's strikeouts. So Chris Bassett against the Brewers. The Brewers have the seventh highest K rate in the league against righties. Righties averaging just over four strikeouts to start against uh, the Brewers this year. However, it was really that combination of the Brewers being a top 10 K rate team against righties. Plus, looking back to the last games that Bassett threw against teams with a top 15 K rate against right-handers, he went over it with the San Diego Padres. He had six. Philly, he had seven. Uh, he had six with Arizona, eight with Atlanta. So there were five different games, and he only missed one. That was on the road with the Phillies. All the other games that he was not only against the top 15 K rate team, when he was at home against the top 15 K rate team, ended up going over the number of five and a half. Those all those things together ended up correlating to an over five and a half strikeouts for Chris Bassett that just took way too long to hit. I'm so glad it did. <laughs> well, I'm glad they threw him out there for the eighth. And there's that, you know, everyone now can get an insight to that, you know, really unique research and perspective that I'm sure, you know, Matt Vescurgeon loves so much right there, because that's that's the kind of breakdown of Bassett that you're not really hearing anywhere else. So, you know, I've got to know which pitcher so far this season has been the most lucrative for you? Is there a guy who every fifth turn, you know, every time he's up in the rotation, you're like, more often than not, I'm going to play him? Ooh, that's a really good question because it's so dependent on, um, uh, here, I'll give you a trend instead. A trend that I like the most is lefty pitchers at Coors Field. Away lefty pitchers at Coors Field. They're averaging 2.8 strikeouts per game at Coors this year. That's a trend to look at. The Tampa Bay Rays are another trend against lefties. It's weird. The Rays have a top 15 K rate. They actually have a top 10 K rate this year against right-handed pitchers. Against lefties, the Rays have the lowest K rate in baseball. Against lefty starters, they're averaging two and a half strikeouts a game against the Rays. So that's why you've got to look to the lefties against the Rays. For the unders, you've got to look to Coors Field lefty opponents for the unders as well. I love it. You know, people, I feel like when they take K rates, I feel like there's an overwhelming amount of overs being bet on K rates, but they don't ever really look for the value or for the edge as to when it's appropriate to take the under. So lefties at Coors Field and lefties against Tampa. I love it. Hey, let's get into game six of these NBA finals. It's coming up tonight and I've got to know what's your best bet for a potential clinching game here for the Warriors. I'm taking the Warriors on the money line plus 150. I have been riding the Warriors this entire NBA Finals, and it's to my detriment, also to my success. It's basically a forty percent uh, win, like win, like champ. Per, 
win, like chance of winning kind of deal when you look at all the numbers together. That's giving me plus 150. It's just that it doesn't make sense. The number is off. The Warriors are 4-0 in game sixes when they have Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green on the floor. In those games, they're averaging just under 17 wins, uh, excuse me, 17 points per win uh, by margin, win margin. So it's pretty crazy that they're winning by almost 17 points a game in game sixes. A lot of that, it's attributed to Clay Thompson, who's averaging 26 points per game six in his career. That also leads me to an over on a points prop for Clay Thompson. I like the I like the over on Clay Thompson points. I like the Golden State Warriors to win. Their defense has been great. Their defense has figured out the Boston Celtics. The Warriors are the better team. They have the better player. They have more experience. They have that. They they just have one of the most the most lethal uh, starting lineups out there, especially with the death lineup. The death lineup with Draymond Green essentially playing at center is just so tough for anybody to figure out. They don't need to even put up all the threes that they've been putting up. It's been defense that's winning this. And as the Warriors head coach said, Steve Kerr, defense wins championships. That's what they're doing right now. So we've got the Warriors money line. We've got Clay Thompson on the over. He's been usually living around that 19 and a half, 20 and a half range. What about Steph coming out of an all-time stay away? (laughs) Never Steph. Never Steph. I am the last person to bet any kind of props on star players. I won't be betting it over on Jason Tatum. I won't be betting it over on Steph Curry. You've got to look in these games. And granted, I know that it can hit at times. So I'm not saying it never hits. That is the sharpest player on the, on the floor, Steph Curry. If you think the book is going to give you any kind of edge on Steph Curry, you're absolutely insane. You are totally gambling. I'd rather go play roulette and I hate roulette. (laughs) I don't want to bet a Steph Curry prop. It's way too sharp. Find somebody else. I love it. Coming from the prop queen herself, Ariel Epstein, catcher over at Yahoo Sports. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. We'll be back with my final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word here on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk. Thanks for sticking with me, Joe Serralo, right here for this Believe Hour on Sports Map Radio as I get you ready for the NBA Finals now just over an hour away from tipping off is game six. So in the spirit of game six of the NBA Finals and Ariel Epstein, the prop queen from Yahoo Sports, being my special guest on this episode, I'm going to use my final word to do something I haven't done in a couple weeks and give you my favorite prop bet for tonight's game six. I am riding with Clay Thompson to go over Three and a half made three-pointers. You can get this in what I've found is as good as minus 125 odds. Some books have it at minus 135. But Clay Thompson, over three and a half made threes. Best odds i found on the market are minus 125. And look, you know, Ariel and I spoke about it. I spoke about it earlier in the show. It's all about game six, Clay. Now, I'm not saying the Warriors are going to win. You know, that would contradict my series prediction of Golden State in seven. Although truthfully, despite Boston's success in these elimination games, 3-0 in elimination games this postseason, I don't know, this Golden State team is different. They've been there before. Everyone from the coach who's looking for, you know, Steve Kerr looking for his ninth ring to Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The three Musketeers have been there many times before. This team is different than anything that Boston's encountered. You know, they had an undermanned Milwaukee team, a Miami team, 
that was not only banged up, you know, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry missed some key minutes in that series, but also just didn't have a lot of a lot of manpower surrounding Jimmy Butler. This Golden State squad, unlike anything Boston's seen, but I'm not going to pick the game. We always love a seven-game series, so I'm going to go Clay Thompson, game six Clay, over three and a half made threes, minus 125. Count it, enjoy it, book it now, thank me later. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up, it's over, it's out of here. Special thanks to Ariel Epstein for joining the show. Special thanks, as always, to each and every one of you for tuning in to the Believe Hour, spending it with me right here on SportsMap Radio. Guys, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.